Welcome to the Mustang UMC podcast recorded each Sunday morning during our 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. services. We invite you to join us in praise and worship during that time, and our hope is that this podcast serves as an encouragement for you and for your family in your daily life. Amen. I invite you to remain risen in body or in spirit for the reading of God's holy word. Today our scripture comes from the gospel of Matthew chapter 18 verses 1 through 5. This is Matthew chapter 18 verses 1 through 5. Let's give our attention to the reading of God's holy word. About that time the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus called a little child to him and put the child among them. Then he said, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf is welcoming me. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. You all may be seated. Let us pray. So God, we do pray that we would at least for the next 20 minutes be children. That we would have our ears attuned to hear like kids, our eyes to see, and our hearts moved like children. So Lord, we are before you. We are ready for your word. Speak, Lord, for your children are listening. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we are, uh, one of the things, I, I have two boys, a 13-year-old and a 10-year-old. My, my youngest son, Kaysen, um, he is always asking me, who is the greatest? Who is the best? He'll say, Daddy, who is the greatest football player of all time? I'll answer him with the appropriate answer, Jerry Rice. Um, he'll say, who is the best quarterback of all time? I'll answer appropriately, Joe Montana. Um, you know, he'll say, who's the best basketball player of, of all time? And I'll say Michael Jordan, of course, right? That, that these are things that, that he's interested in. And it's not just him. We are people who are fascinated about who is the best, who is the, the greatest. We, we spend time every year honoring the, grest, the best and the greatest there is, right? We have the Oscars and the Emmys and the Tonys and all these awards. Your workplace may do it as well, right? They'll, they'll, they'll award an employee of the month. My son asked me, he said, he said, Dad, have you ever been the employee of the month? I said, no, I've never been an employee of the month everywhere, anywhere I've ever been. That's not, I didn't tell him that we didn't have employees of the month, but, but maybe we should, right? So we, we, I could be the greatest employee that particular month, right? That we like to have these sort of things to, to be the greatest. In fact, there's an obsession that we can have with being the greatest, with being the best, with having the, the most. We all want to be number one. And there was a philosopher one time who said, what does it take to be number one? Two is not a winner, and three, nobody remembers. I really wasn't a philosopher, that was Nellie. But, um, <laughs> but there's truth in that, right? Um, you know, two is not a winner, and three, nobody remembers. There's something about us that, that, that strives to be the greatest, to, to be at the top of that platform. Um, you know, second place is the first loser I remember hearing it said. And we are obsessed with the best, 
And this isn't just something that's recent. This is something that has happened for decades and centuries and even millenniums. So it was 2,000 years ago that the disciples wanted to know this. It says, about that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? How do I become the best disciple, the greatest follower of Jesus? How do I have that position to be number one? And that's not the only time that, that being the greatest was, was brought to Jesus, even in the Gospel of Matthew. A couple chapters later, um, it tells us the story that James and John, two of Jesus' disciples, that his mom came to Jesus and she knelt down and asked a favor of him. She said, and this is such a mom thing, right? She said, grant that one of these two sons may sit at your right and the other at your left in the kingdom. My two boys are the most precious disciples of them all. The greatest, right? I hope you see it. I hope you elevate them there. That there is something deep within our hearts and our souls that, that want to be the greatest. And I was wondering, like, why is it? Why are we obsessed with the best? Why will we not settle for second place? Why is it that we elevate award winners and the top of the top of the top to such a degree? And I think it really comes down to this question. That you and I, we all have a desire to feel worthy. To feel that we are worth something. And how do I know if I'm worth something? It's because I'm the employee of the month. How do I know that I'm worth something? It's because I've won the championship. How do I know that I'm worthy? Am I worthy? It comes down to that fundamental question. And, and, and so you and I, we, we struggle and we strive and we try to find our worth in these ways. And, and oftentimes it leads to two errors that are kind of like two sides of the same coin. And so there is, there's an error of pride. And pride tells us that I am worthy only because... I am the greatest. It's because of what I do, though, because of what I've accomplished, that I am worthy if I am the best. But on the other side of that coin is insecurity. And it says, I am not worthy because I am not enough. Because I am not the best, I don't have worth. And so you and I, and in our culture today, we really do live in a time in which you are and your value is in what you do. Think about the questions we ask each other whenever we meet each other. So what do you do? And then we, we, we size each other up. Oh, well, they do something important or they don't do something important or I could never do that. Right? That, that we, we, we judge each other on bios and all sorts of other things because we as people are struggling to find worth. And it's not, it's, it's, it's a problem everywhere, right? I think about fellow pastors, you know, we all want to have the biggest church, right? Uh, we want to have the fastest growing church or whatever it might be. In businesses, you're only as successful as your most recent quarter tells you that you are. I think about our NCAA tournament, right? And um, I don't know about you, but my bracket is completely busted. Um, I had Kansas winning it all, and um, that's not going to happen. Right? And so they're massive failures. Right? It doesn't matter the success that they've had because it's championship or bust. And if you don't win championships, what good is it? If you don't have more likes on your Instagram post, are you as worthy as you were the day before? And here the disciples are struggling with how do I find worth and value in the kingdom of heaven? 
And we still struggle with that. But I love what Jesus does. I mean, I love it, but I also, like, don't love it. Because, you know, sometimes what, what Jesus does, it, it, it sort of just dissettles me a little bit. And so I can only imagine this scene where, where the disciples come and they ask Jesus, who is the greatest? And I would imagine that when they asked that question, they all sort of stood up, you know, sucked in their gut a little bit, tried to look extra strong, right? Maybe it's me. Maybe is it me who is the greatest? I'm certainly better than that guy, right? And Jesus does something that, that really just turns the whole game upside down. He calls up a little child. And he has the child come up in their midst and stand there. Now, you, now I'm imagining the scene that like, and I don't know what it was like. It doesn't tell us who this child is. But I'm imagining it's like the kid that the Sunday school teachers were a little bit nervous of. The one that comes to class and was like, ooh, they're here today. I was hoping they weren't sick, but they were on vacation, right? It was this unlikely child. And then this is the words that Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Anyone who becomes as humble as this little child. Can you imagine how it felt to be that child? Well, who's the greatest? I mean, now that kid probably said, you know, when Jesus said, come up, that kid's probably like, yeah, I am the greatest. I can, I can do that. Right? There's this humility and this sense of love and peace. Now, let's, let's kind of remind ourselves where we are at in this story and, and in the gospel. And so um, uh, a couple weeks ago, we started this new sermon series on how to climb a mountain. And, and what happens is, is in the gospel of Matthew, there is this transition about Matthew 16, where Jesus tells his disciples that they must go up to Jerusalem because it would be a climb to go to Jerusalem. And in there, he is going to suffer and die and be resurrected. And so the last half, the last like 16 through 25 of the Gospel of Matthew is really about this journey up to Jerusalem and what Jesus is experiencing there in Jerusalem. And so we're going on this journey as well about how to climb a mountain. How do we overcome this mountains in our lives, whatever it might be, and, and that we are taking this journey alongside Jesus, that we are climbing this mountain that we are going up. And part of it is these Psalms of Ascent. And so for the Jewish people, there was part of the psalm book, which I think is like 121 to 134, I believe, are called the Psalms of Ascent. And these are the songs, these are the poems, these are the hymns that the Jewish people, as they made their pilgrimage, which they would have done a couple of times a year for different holidays, for different holy days, they would have sung these songs, they would have said these poems, they would have recited these words. And so I can't help but think that as they were making this journey from the Sea of Galilee down to Jerusalem, as they were climbing the mountain in this journey, that these words of Psalm 131 and this story go hand in hand. I want to read Psalm 131, but I'm going to read it from the message translation, which is a more modern day translation, because I just like the way that it says it. It says, God, I'm not trying to rule the roost. I don't want to be king of the mountain. I haven't meddled where I have no business or fantasized grandiose plans. I've kept my feet on the ground. I've cultivated a quiet heart. 
Like a baby content in its mother's arms, my soul is baby content. Wait, Israel, for God. Wait with hope. Hope now. Hope always. And so what we see both in the story that Jesus, and in this time that, that Jesus points out the little child, and in the psalm of ascent, we see some marks, some characteristics of childlike humility that sometimes we as adults that we can forget. And we lose because we, we, we've lost our sense of wonder. We lost our way of seeing the world. We don't have the same way of seeing the world as a perspective of children. And we have much to learn. And so what does this tell us about sort of uh, who we're supposed to be? And how can we re-engage that childlike humility? Um, let me just kind of run through a, a few things for us. One is we have to trust in God's love. Now, I've, uh, life has been hard for some of you. In fact, I'd venture that life has been hard for all of you. That, that there's been some challenging moments and there's been times in your life in which you've wondered, God, I don't know what you have against me. God, I don't know what I did to displease you. Why is this happening to me? Or there have been times in which we experience suffering and we experience pain and we lose the sense of trust that God really loves us. We may believe that God is loving to everybody else, but there's something that is against us. But you don't see that with the child, especially a child who knows that they're loved, right? They just know that their dad and mom is going to catch them, right? I mean, my kids have done that before. They just ran and jumped at me, right? Assuming, well, one, you know, I first, I, now that they're getting bigger, I have to decide if I'm going to protect myself or if I'm going to catch them, right? But, but we, you know, the, they trust that if they jump, their dad's going to catch them. They trust that there's going to be food at the table. They trust and know that they are going to have a bed. They, they are content. They trust in, in God's love. And, and they trust in the same thing. And that's what we need to be. It's people who know that, that, yes, life will be challenging and life will be difficult at times. But God's love doesn't change. And we can trust in that. We also need to experience wonder and embrace wonder. I think about, um, you know, going with kids to look at Christmas lights. Every house is fantastic. It's amazing. It's like, well, those are the same white lights I saw at that neighbor's house before, right? And uh, there are some of us that, uh, you know, but they see the world differently. You know, well, I can, how often do we just miss what's right in front of us because we have lost our sense of wonder. We can get used to the bigness of the ocean a sunset does not catch us off guard anymore. But children see the world in a totally different way. They embrace wonder. I mean, if you've ever, again, uh, you've ever gone to the zoo with kids, it's amazing. Because they're just like, wow, look at that bird. And that's just a regular old bird, right? Like not even part of the zoo, but they're just fascinated with it. Because they embrace wonder. And we're just like seeing one bird, seeing them all, right? Like, oh, whatever. But there's something beautiful that they are able to see. Or if you've ever walked with kids. Now, um, God bless preschool teachers, you know, and, and, and elementary teachers. Because, you know, walking in a line is a hard thing to do. It's very important for kids to walk in a line. Because if they didn't walk in a line, it would take them forever to get from A to B. But, y'all, we miss something when we're so concerned with going from A to B. That we lose our sense of wonder. That there's beauty in all places, if we just take the time to, to look for it. 
Last May, it was, uh, we went uh, to Israel, my wife and I did with a, a group of folks, and it was really kind of funny because at the end of the day, um, we would walk a lot and we'd go to different places. And, and, uh, and I'm more of a mission walker, so I'm going to just go to the mission. Where's the next place to go? When I go shopping, I go right to the aisle I need and right back, right? That's how I do it. And so, you know, I'd look at my watch and we walk quite a bit. So it'd be like, oh, I got 11,000 steps in that day. And my wife would get like 15,000 steps in. And what we realized is, because we were going the same place, is I'd go in a straight line because I was ready for the next destination. But my wife would go like this way and then this way. And she took pictures of doors. I don't know why, but she loved to take pictures of doors and flowers. And she saw all this beauty. When I was looking for the history, she was finding the beauty. And that's what kids do, is they embrace wonder. When have you just taken a walk, not to go anywhere, not for exercise, but just to see the beauty of the earth. Kids do it. And that's what childlike humility, can we enjoy the journey, not just try to get to our destination. There's this part of mark of childlike humility that experiences contentment. Now, you and I, we struggle with contentment because it's always about rise and grind. It's about do the next thing. It's, there's always a new challenge. There's always another Sunday. There's always the next thing. You, um, you, know, you, you win one championship and then you start working on the other one, all right, unless you're a Cubs fan. And then, like, for us, you know, we won our championship and we're going to enjoy it for a long time because uh, we don't expect one anytime soon, right? But, but we have to experience contentment. I mean, that's what this psalm says. I've kept my feet on the ground. I've cultivated a quiet heart, like a baby content in its mother's arms. My soul is baby content. Do you hear this non-striving, non-stressing, just being? What would it be like to just be still and know that God is God? What if it's not about go and a to-do list, but it's about just being? When our kids are playing on a playground, they're not worried about all the things that are to come. But you and I, we have a hard time of sitting still. Even here in this place, we're thinking, okay, this afternoon I have to do all this sort of stuff. Could we just sit and be in the presence of God? And another thing that a kids will do is they will hope always. Again, this is something I've learned in very practical ways. My kids will ask questions like, can we go to Dairy Queen? And I'll say maybe. And my maybe is just my nice way of saying no. You know, I mean, like, cause maybe, you know. And, um, and, and, and the kids um, are acting a little bit like Lloyd from Dumb and Dumber. They're like, so you're telling me there's a chance, right? <laughs> like, that's what they're thinking. My favorite thing today was I did this in the first service and nobody laughed. <laughs> and I was like, they're going to love it at 11. Um, <laughs> So thank you all for laughing, right? But kids, I mean, that's what they're like. They're like, hey, can I get this video game? And I'm like, oh, maybe, you know? And they're like, yeah, I'm getting it, right? Because they have this hope. And the same thing is true in, in, in I mean, they, they, they hope and they believe in, in like, yeah, we can do that. You know, ask a kid if they can, hey, do you think you could climb this mountain? They're like, yeah, I could climb this mountain. Have you climbed a mountain before? No. Do you have any water or shoes? No, I don't need those things. Right? Because they have a ridiculous sense of faith. Because they trust in God. They trust that we wouldn't put them in a place where they could fail, right? Where they could fall, where they could hurt themselves. They trust. And so they believe. 
And so for kids, it's like, is there a 1% chance? Then yeah, I believe and hope in the outcome. But most of us are like, we, we need like 95% certainty so that we can have 5% faith. That, that we get to a place and we say, okay, I'm going to look at all the angles. I'm going I'm to evaluate every option. I'm, I'm going to do all these contingency plans in case something wrong. And even then, when we're 95% certain, we're like, whoo, I'm taking a big step of faith. And I heard a pastor, he said one time, what if we had 51% faith? What if once we got to 51% that we were willing to take the big step of faith? It's a scary way to do, but that's what kids would do right? They're going to jump in. And, and I think that that's such an important part, is to have hope always. Now, one of the things I say is, I don't know your story, but I know that you have one. And I believe there is this mountain. And you're not sure exactly what to do, but, but maybe today, just a little bit of hope. What would a child do? How would they climb this mountain? How would they take the next step? How would they trust in God's love, embrace wonder, experience contentment? And this is what it means to be great. It's not about what we achieve, but it's about who we are with. That is greatness. I mean, this is what I see in the story here, that as Jesus invites a child, he says, this is to be great in the kingdom of heaven. And I imagine the child just standing right next to Jesus. And if we ask ourselves the question, am I worthy? We are worthy, not because of what we've done or accomplished or said, or if we've got that plaque that says employee of the month or the best or whatever. No, we, you and I are worthy because we belong to Jesus. And that's it. You're worthy not because of what you've done, but because who you are with. You are children of God. God created you and he loves you just as you are. It doesn't matter if you're successful in this work that you do, or in this relationship with your end, those are not the things that God says, oh, well now, huh, you've accomplished enough, come into my kingdom. No, it's the child who comes forward. You're worthy because you belong to Jesus. That's it. So quit striving to be great. Instead, be content to be in the presence of greatness. You see, that really should be our goal. It's not for personal greatness. The world will tell you, you have to be number one. You've got to be the best. There's a good thing about working hard and meeting your goals and all these sort of stuff. But when that becomes the idol, we miss the mark. Because for us, it's not about being great. It's about being in the presence of God's greatness. It's about being with Jesus. You know, the times... When I look back and I just think about what were those moments of joy and pleasure and life that I had, I wasn't worried about anything else but just being in the moment. Times at like a beach with a family or times of worship with a congregation. Times when I've been lost in conversations with friends. I'm not worried about, man, I'm trying to strive for something. It's just in the moment, right here, right now. And can we do that? But you and I, we can get so concerned with being on the right or on the left to being number one that we miss out that the true place that we belong is not to the right or to the left of Jesus, but at his feet. Jesus, keep me near the cross. I mean, this is really what the call of our life is to be. 
is to be near to God, and he will meet us there. Thank you for listening to the Mustang UMC podcast. Once again, our services are at 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. every Sunday morning, and we would love to see you there. For more information about the Mustang United Methodist Church, please visit us at mustangumc.org or email us at office at mustangumc.org. That is office at mustangumc.org. We hope you enjoyed.